0: False Chance Ranch by Ranger and Rolf, Chapter Six, Part Two. Dale was sitting on the porch steps on a sunny and hot afternoon, watching Flynn pick out the feet of one of the pregnant mares when Riley came down from the corral, a bale of wire over one shoulder. Flynn, there's a fence down over by the cairn. The hoppers have smashed through again. Are you free to come give me a hand? Flynn let the mare's hoof go and stood up, stretching his back. Not this side of the a half pint. The vet's coming down an hour to look at the mares. Jazz is up on the tops, but you can try Paul. Paul's wandered off to the falls to figure out his new chapter. He told me at lunchtime. Riley threw up his cutters and caught them by the handle. Can I have Dale, then? It's a mess, and the hoppers are out in the woods. I'd like to get it fixed. Okay. Flynn turned to give Dale a nod. Make sure you're back in good time. Cool. Riley waited for Dale, giving me a cheerful grin. I'll meet you in the corral in a few minutes. Hammer was starting to come to the gate of the corral whenever he caught sight of Dale coming. Dale hauled the saddle over the gate and climbed over to rub his nose and slap his neck, palm ring on the heavy muscle under Hammer's dark hide. The big horse leaned against his shoulder hopefully, pushing up against the gate until Dale lifted the saddle onto his back. He likes being worked, Riley said when he came back to the corral and whistled to Snickers, who he'd turned in still fully tacked. Shane, the oldest of the three collie dogs, trotted after him, pausing to sniff the grass beside the fence. Before you came, he was only exercised a couple of times a week when Paul took him, and Paul usually rides naked unless someone else really needs the workout. Who called a horse naked? Dale demanded, leading Hammer out of the corral. Riley grinned, attaching the wire bale to his saddle. Paul did. He says he's a tart, and he is. Long lashes, the works, right from a foal. He mounted up and whistled to Shane, the dog immediately bounding away from the fence to follow them as they walked the horses through the yard, past the house where Flynn was still working, and then out through the long meadows toward the aspen woods. What are hoppas? Dale asked when they were some way from the house, and they reached the gate of what the family called the Home Pastures, the three-quarter mile square, wire fence enclosure that encircled the ranch house, its outbuildings, stables, and paddocks. Nuisance, sheep. Riley drew Snickers close in to close the gate behind them. You get a little band of them in most flocks that go over the fences and under fences and through any holes they can find, called hoppers because they're always hopping into somewhere they shouldn't be. They're marked as ours, so if any of the neighbors find them, they'll call us, and it doesn't matter hugely if they wander to the horse pastures, although occasionally a horse tries using one for a football, but I try and keep the fences intact and them inside the same pastures as the other sheep if I possibly can. I didn't know the area by the cairn was near the border. Dale glanced around, wondering where the lines of the ranch actually fell. Riley shook his head. It isn't. We're on eighteen square miles here. We're miles from the borders of the ranch. This is just another fenced pasture. We rotate the stock between the pastures all year, and some of the pastures are two miles square. You hardly notice the fences. The fences are here to keep the beggars out of the woods. Too much in there to get it stuck in, and too much shelter for cougars. You get cougars around here. In the rocky land from here onwards. Riley led them left as the quartz glittering cairn came into sight, moving them towards the edge of the woods. We had a young male a few years ago that got a taste for sheep. Didn't do much damage. They live off small game, usually, but this one started picking off sheep and getting closer to the house. We had to keep the dogs in at night for a while, until we got it. "'Shot it?' Dale asked. Riley nodded. "'They're beautiful things, but you can't be sentimental when the livelihood is based on livestock. Mostly, they're very shy. They'd run at the side of you, but there's the occasional one that gets too bold or too hungry, and at the end of the day, they're lions. Jazz always says never to move if you see one. Movement makes them attack. If you try to back away, they'll go for you.' although one of the biggest dangers, too, is that you're working with your back to one, and he'll drop on you from a tree or a rock, and you'll never see him coming. They go for the back of your neck. And you don't carry a gun, Dale demanded, shocked. Riley grinned. Yeah, we all do, but I'm mostly trying to scare you. We've only ever had one come on the ranch in ten years. This is the damaged fence. The gap was fairly small, and Riley swung down from his horse, whistling to Shane, who had kept pace with the horses. Shane, go on. Where are they? Go seek. Go seek. The dog dived through the fence hole like a bullet and shot out of sight into the woods. Riley lifted down the wire bale, and Dale came to get the clippers from Riley's saddle, watching him roll out at length. "'This doesn't look like a big job.' "'It isn't.' Riley gave him a brief grin and started to wire the new length into the old, connecting it deftly in his gloved hands. Within a few minutes, they heard trampling in the woods, and a tightly pressed group of five sheep plunged back up the bank and burst through the gap in the wire, followed by Shane, who drove them some way across the meadow before he wheeled and came back to Riley, tongue hanging out the side of his mouth. Riley rubbed his ears, watching Dale connect the other end of the wire, closing the gap. Twist it more. Tighter. That's it. That's all it takes. It seemed a long way to come for two of them to complete a five-minute task. Dale rolled up the wire, somewhat surprised, and was still more surprised by Riley leading his horse towards the water beyond the cairn, stripping off his shirt as he went. He attached the wire to Hammer's saddle and followed, leading Hammer with him. By the time they reached the lakeside, Riley was heeling off his boots, and the grin he cast at Dale was inviting. Well, come on, then. You'd be amazed how warm this gets under the sun. It's all sand under the water, and the rocks reflect the heat straight downward. He unbuttoned his jeans, stripped them his shorts off without a second look back at Dale, and waded straight out, sunlight reflecting off bare skin. Lean and well-muscled, he presented a picture for a moment that any artist would have paid good money for. Then he dived forward into the water. Dale tied up Hammer's reins, nutting the warm leather while he watched. Then Riley surfaced halfway across the lake, ran water off his hair with both hands, and splashed a wave of water in his direction. Get a move on! We don't have that long if we're going to be looking innocent before dinner! Ah, Dale found himself fighting a smile. He, along with Flynn, had believed they were coming out here to work on a good deal more than three feet of wire, and Riley had quite obviously set this up. He didn't ever remember being included in this kind of truancy, not since early days at school, and the first, odd urge, was to laugh, and then to promptly pull his shirt over his head. It was bizarre to strip to the skin outside. Dale heeled off his jeans and slid his boxers after them, immediately bathed by the warmth of the sun and the surprising softness of the grass underfoot. Shane was already stretched out on the grass by Riley's clothes, belly turned up. There were almost no sounds out here save the birds and the soft swish of the water as Riley swam, his head and shoulders visible in the water. The water was warmer than Dale expected when he stepped into it. The sandbank below the surface was firm and shelved slowly, and the wash of clear water against skin was a strong enough sensation to drive all thought from Dale's mind. He had no idea the time when he finally climbed up the bank and dropped full length in the warm grass beside Riley. Water was still shining on Riley's skin. He was lying face down, cheek on his folded arms, eyes closed, and for a moment, Dale thought he was dozing. Then he stirred, voice sleepy. Magic, isn't it? Dale knew what he meant. The stillness and quiet of this place, the exertion and the intense stimulation of the water, filled him with a sense of peace and sleepy satisfaction. The late afternoon sun was quite strong enough to dry both skin and hair before they dressed. By the time they approached the ranch, there were no signs on either of them what they'd spent the afternoon doing. Flynn was talking to a tall, dark-haired woman beside a 4 by 4 in the yard and nodded to them as they walked the horses past. Shane went to lean against his knee, and Flynn pulled his ears, not breaking his conversation with the woman. Paul, picking herbs from some of the pots on the veranda, gave a rather pointed look at his watch. Get a move on, you two! You've got about five minutes to dinner! Hunger from the swim, that was open encouragement to hurry. Dale stopped Hammer outside the corral and slid down to unbuckle his saddle, hearing Riley's voice low and quiet nearby. "'How bad is your conscience?' Dale looked across at him, bewildered. Riley leaned against Snickers, quite uncritical. "'If you're going to worry about this, then Flynn's going to catch on in minutes, and we might as well tell him up front.' "'I'm not that stuck up,' Dale said with some asperity. Riley smiled, unoffended. "'I don't mean that. I've seen you worry. I do it too, but nothing like is bad. If it's going to bother you, we'll tell him.' It was interesting, and somewhat reassuring, to hear that Riley understood that urge of guilt. Dale looked at the girth he was unbuckling for a minute, slipping it with fingers growing increasingly expert from daily practice. "'Why, we fixed the fence, didn't we?' Riley grinned and went back to stripping tack. "'That's my boy.' Apart from a brief inquiry about the hoppers, which Riley answered quite honestly, no one asked any awkward questions over dinner. "'It's too nice to sit inside,' Riley said once the last of the dishes were dried. "'I'm going to walk down the driveway. Dale, want to come?' "'Stay in earshot. It's getting on for eight. Lynn's voice said from the direction of the sitting room. Riley pulled a face at Dale, but laced up his sneakers and headed down the porch steps, digging his hands into his pockets. Dale paced him, aware of the piece of the art outside, the sounds which were becoming familiar. "'Why aren't you supposed to swim?' he asked when they were well out of earshot of the house. Riley gave him a cheerful shrug. "'I'm not not supposed to swim. I'm just not supposed to bunk off work to go and do it.' I had a bit of a habit of not getting stuff done because I'd go swimming or climbing on impulse, and it got to be a bit too much of a habit. Now I'm not supposed to swim or whatever without planning it with the others in advance and getting work done first. He said it quite cheerfully, without embarrassment. And you don't mind that? Dale hazarded, not sure if that was too personal. Riley shook his head. It's needed, or I do something useful maybe two days in five. I don't mean to get distracted. I'm not exactly lazy, but I need to know things will be checked up on or it's hard to make myself do them. Not too good with self-discipline, and we often work alone, so there's a lot of temptation. I'm not driven like some people. Dale gave him a brief smile, thinking that over. It was hard to understand from the world he'd occupied where people worked hours, and hours, and often worked individually carrying out their parts of a project, truanting from a task to go and do something purely for fun. He doubted he'd ever done that in his life. The others get aerated about the safety part, too, Riley added as they reached the corral. He climbed up the fence, sitting astride the broad top rail five feet from the ground. Swimming alone isn't safe. Climbing alone isn't safe. What if you get a cramp? What if you have an accident? If I plan it at home, it translates as one of them casually saying, oh, what a good idea. I'll come too. Sometimes I want to be alone, which means occasionally bunking off and hoping no one notices. And do they? Dale asked, fascinated. Riley pulled a face at him. Shh. Dale climbed up slowly to sit beside him, looking down at the horses which were grazing below. You really don't mind, do you? Riley shrugged serenely it's what I was looking for. I knew once I'd found it. That opened the gate to a hundred more questions that Riley probably would think were rude, personal, and far too invasive. Dale wrestled for one of the plighter ones, among the most urgent. You said, he blurted out eventually, that you got guilty too. I don't like getting things wrong, Riley said mildly, sitting on his hands. I get upset with myself. I end up panicking or in a foul mood. I worry about it. I expect things of myself I know I can't meet, and then I get still more upset when I can't meet them. It's a double bind. And yeah, I can do the adult thing and cover it up or try and train myself out of it, but I'm thirty now, and it's still a major character trait. I don't like it when Flynn or the others catch me out, but I feel worse when they don't. And when they do, I'll willingly go along with them dealing with it. Well, fairly willingly. I've never yet had the guts to go to one of them deliberately confess something. They usually realize because I'm fanatically trying to cover it up, or else because I'm upset. If it helps when they. And if you know whatever you did was. Dale began, somewhat incoherently. Wrong. Riley asked when Dale dried up. I know. I just couldn't ask them myself. It works differently for everyone. He didn't mean CEOs. Dale knew without asking. He confirmed something that had been at the back of his mind for a while. Flint had not wavered in his habit of coming upstairs at 8.30, the time by which Dale was settled in bed. The window was open as Dale kept it each night, enjoying the breeze outside, and there was still full daylight outside. Clint sat down on the edge of the bed, crisp in the clean clothes he always put on when he came in before dinner, and turned up the cover of the book Dale was reading. Still in the history... It's one of Paul's. Dale marked the place and surrendered the book to Flynn as he did every night. I'm not sure about some of the conclusions. I'd like to check the research material, but it's quite interesting. You look tired, Flynn commented, watching his face. Although it was a healthy tired he saw, rather than the drawn, exhausted look of a few weeks back, Dale wasn't putting on weight, but regular meals were solidifying muscle, and he had a gradually darkening tan. Dale shrugged, not quite sure how to answer. It was a good day. Are they getting easier? In some ways. Dale put a hand behind his head, still a little awkward, although he was getting used to using this time lying here, talking at the end of the day. How am I going to know when I'm ready to leave? What's the exit criteria, exactly? It's different for everyone. Flynn leaned his elbows on his knees, book cup between his hands. And we're not near enough to that point to talk about specifics. This is a process, not an end exam. I don't want you figuring out how the end product should look and trying to force it. When you get there, we're both going to know. You've done very well so far. It's going to be a long job, isn't it? It was Buntley said, without a lot of expression, which made it difficult to guess at what emotion it went with the question. Yes, Flynn said, just as simply and quite gently. I think for you it's going to be a long process. It's not just a few key pieces of knowledge or health issues for you. It's changing lifetime habits, and that isn't going to be something we can just tell you when you'll fix overnight. What are you worrying about? I don't know, Dale said honestly. It was the truth. He'd been here too many weeks to really know what was happening with the projects he had left behind. They had moved on, and he was no longer a part of them made his working world less and less real, and easier to stop worrying about. The reality of each day was here now, and that was in itself a release from a great deal of stress. "'And what are you avoiding talking about?' Flynn said in the same tone. Dale's eyes started up, shocked. Flynn waited, watching several expressions pass through them. "'There's plenty to see in Dale if you knew where to look and if you read this hut lease. "'Several things,' Dale said after a minute, uncomfortably. "'I just don't know how to talk about them.' Flynn nodded, unmoved. "'Just say whatever it is you're thinking about. "'Blood it out and we'll make sense of it afterwards. "'You don't need to get it right.' "'He made things so unthreatening, so much easier to consider.' "'Dale hesitated, sorely tempted, then shook his head. "'I need some time to think them over. "'It's nothing I shouldn't be doing. "'Well, apart from playing truant to go swimming.' "'Dale paused, flushing slightly, "'and Flynn put a hand out against his face, "'a blunt and gentle gesture. "'I'm more concerned that you're okay, "'but you're not upset or worrying. "'I'm not the police, Dale.' "'I'm okay,' Dale said with more conviction. Flynn nodded, considering for a moment. All right, and I won't press tonight, but if it's something bothering you or keeping you awake, I expect you to let me know. Deal? Who was this man who calmly talked about not allowing you to keep back something that you didn't want to talk about? Dale fought with a rush of outrage that was mixed up with a very different emotion, one that was unwillingly and shyly warmed by that appalling piece of political incorrectness. The effect was to make him still more uncomfortable than the conversation with Riley. Flynn would have got up, but he got the stir from Dale, an aborted movement that didn't really have any obvious purpose. Then he took Dale's arm, pulled him up and put both arms around the younger, slighter man, giving him an unhurried and strong hug. He was aware of the inexpertness of Dale's grasp on him in return. Dale was pinker still when he let go, and Flynn put a hand on the back of his neck, squeezing gently as he got up. It's all right. You're quite safe here. We won't let anything happen to you, and we'll work it out together. Take it one day at a time. That's all you need to do.